it's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out The Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. You ready? Friday yep. vibes? It's Friday. Ready as I'll ever be. It's Friday. Hello and welcome back to the Stadio Podcast, Ringer SC. I'm Musa Kwonga. I'm Ryan Hun. Ryan, how are you doing? I am okay, thanks, Musa. How are you? I'm disorientated, so frankly, I don't know how you are. Um, European super fatigue. Ah, it's become that now. Okay. i got names for it now. What a wild week that was. Football was really you okay, mate? Something. You okay? You all right? You just I'm fine. stared I'm off just... into the distance of the camera. I'm fine. There. It's just, it's just... Like, we, lost, we, we, we lost him. We lost him. Football was really trying to feel something this week. Football's trying to feel something. Maybe it was the, you know, the pandemic and wanted to lash out and just be seen by the world, but football really wanted to feel something and I, it was seen. How are you doing? I'm all right, man. Weird week this week because of the change in the schedule and stuff. And like I mentioned on the emergency pod we did, we did a whole righty's house on Tuesday, mm. which uh, was really good. But then obviously we had to, had to can it. Does it still exist? Will you release it one day? Well, actually, do you know what? I'm going to play this little snippet right now. Oh, right. Okay. Oh, wow. Just to kind of cheer everyone up a little bit, which was, so for context, Righty was talking about how uh, his aunt Sally would, you know, be praying for everyone, like football that's going on this week, including Florentino Perez. So just for a little bit of comic relief before we get into the admin, is Ian Wright's impression of his aunt Sally praying for everyone. Brilliant. But like, let's pray. We have to pray. I'm praying. Yeah. All my family, my aunts, they're praying. Not me, pray for you. Me, we pray for you. No worry. No worry yourself. We, we pray for him. Can we I pray? pray for him. Yeah, that's, that's what my aunt, my aunt Sally would say. Oh, Jesus. Lord God. Let me start praying for them. Wayne name again. Wayne name. Wayne name. Wayne Wayne name. Fien Fien who? That's what she said. Fien in who? Me, I go pray for him because... It's that's what they say, isn't it? I go pray with me, can't make me not feel the same, no way, my do. Him no know what he might do. Oh, my God. <laughs> so there you go. A glimpse into the lost righty's house tape from Tuesday. Well, Wednesday it would have been up, but that was recorded on Tuesday before the whole thing imploded. The great lost tapes, that's incredible. So, yeah, some admin. 
where to start? There's been loads of stuff on the ringer this week about the Super League. Obviously, mm. we did Monday's podcast. Uh, I wrote a piece Monday night, which went up. Brian Phillips did one as well, actually. Mm. Brian Phillips got out his, his razor sharp pen. He did. Maybe that was the beginning of the end for the Super League. Maybe they read that. <laughs> that and they, was it. they were like, oh shit, we've rumbled in. by Phillips. Yeah, we're going yeah. to duck out. We're gonna yeah, duck when, when that pen comes for you, there's nowhere to hide. Yeah. And then, yeah, we did the emergency one on Tuesday, which went up Tuesday night when it all imploded. Uh, Michael Bauman wrote a piece. And then I had another piece go up on Thursday, which was kind of like basically kind of mocking the whole thing. And then... Chris Ryan got involved as well, didn't he? On Bill Simmons' podcast. Oh yeah, Chris was on, yeah, Chris was on Bill's podcast. And we got a shower. We got a shower. We made it. We made it. I'm like, we made it. We, Ladies and gentlemen, we Bill, got them. Bill Simmons said, great podcast. Great. <laughs> uh, and um, yeah, Chris Ryan was on that. And then... Uh, I think that was everything else about the Super League on the ringer. Mm. And then you've got this one today. Three stadios in a week. You poor, poor people. <laughs> the podcast nobody asked for. <laughs> I mean, you know, I love Musa. He's a very good friend, but I've seen way too, too much, much of him this week whilst too- simultaneously not actually seeing him in the flesh this week. Yeah, too much of a good thing. <laughs> you were like, oh, do you want to go for a coffee? And I'm like... Yeah, for your own protection. I was like, not sure you want that, Ryan. <laughs> really? Really? <laughs> not sure you want to see me in the context where you can't edit me. <laughs> <laughs> not this week. <laughs> oh, good. yeah, true. I, I didn't think of that. Thanks for, yeah, uh, thanks well, for good looking out, Mesa. Self-care, self-care, Ryan. <laughs> Try to encourage your self-care. Phillips also wrote a uh, Mourinho piece because like, it broke. Uh, obviously, those who listened on Monday will have heard that it broke whilst we were recording. But yeah, other admin, Stadio Outro's playlist on Spotify, all the music we play out on with each episode. Go and check that. Um, obviously, yeah, theringer.com forward slash soccer. There's loads of stuff on there. There's a nice, um, they've done something really cool. It's like everything you need to know about the Super League. And they've put all of the Super League coverage this week into one little, mm. I was going to say playlist. It's like a timeline. Also, the uh, Metal NFL draft preview. That is Danny Kelly hilarious. and Chris Ryan. <laughs> So for those who haven't checked it out yet, Danny Kelly does a sort of NFL, looks at the NFL draft, accompanied by Chris Ryan, the disembodied voice of Chris <laughs> Ryan, doing like a metal voice, a weirdly intense metal voice. I was crying. Uh, it's so funny. I, I mean, I, I don't really know a huge amount about the NFL. But, it's um, the thing you don't, you don't need to. You don't need to. <laughs> None of these draft prospects are really stirring my ashes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's like, uh, have you ever seen that Twitter account called Black Metal Cats? No, that There's sounds incredible. Pictures of cats with, with like really, really like black metal quotes. This was incredible. I mean, wow, yeah. Um, so yeah, NFL fans, go check that out. That's on the ringer. Um, Frankie just fans of just twisted stuff. Yeah, 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 just stuff. It's really funny. It's really yeah. good. Um, I think that's everything. All the admin. Hmm. Um, first of all, I hope everyone stays safe and well this week. It's quite fun seeing Arsenal on the, the groveling campaign trail. Wild. Yeah, Vinay and Josh did a fans forum and yeah. uh, we're doing the whole like, we're sorry, we're so sorry, we're so sorry. We're, we're, this, we know that it's going to take time to build trust again. And, and then someone was just like, no, no one ever trusted you, Josh. Vinay, I think, I think Vinay is a bit worse because I think a lot of people really liked, there were a lot of good yeah. noises about him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. He wasn't, listen, they didn't hire him to do him a favour. They weren't being nice. They did it because he was brilliant and he impressed everyone and he was headhunted over a period of time 
and he's obviously a business genius at that level. Yeah. He's obviously he covered his way up as well because he wasn't he there. Yeah. could have walked. He yeah. could have walked and he has to wear that. Unfortunately, he's got to own that wherever he goes now. I hate if to only it, he had the moral backbone of Ed Woodward, who... Ed Woodward, who stood up against, didn't want any part of it. Uh, le- like res- offered his resignation because he just could not go through. Couldn't bring himself. He couldn't bring himself to go through with the European Super League fans. And like I tweeted, that was according to Sky Source, Ted Woodward. <laughs> Very trusted Sky Sports source. Uh, just, yeah, what's that I thing heard, in, is, in the Book of Revelations? It. The star wormwood that falls from the heavens is the Book of Revelations, I think. So like, the Bible's um, not my strong suit, dude. Sorry. Used to, be, used to be mine back in the day, but it felt like that, like the star falling. But back to Ed Woodward. This is interesting because this is an individual who had basically done every part of the Glazers' bidding for all of his career and suddenly is having second thoughts. I just don't, I don't think it was that. I really think it was, well, I think it was a task that he couldn't pull off. And I think he realized professionally how bad it looks to be wearing that. Ultimately, Ed Woodward can say he's delivered on everything he's ever been asked to do. He has, like he's delivered the sponsorship packages. He's delivered on the returns. He's delivered on the debt package, all of that stuff. This is actually the first thing in his professional career that he was tasked with that he couldn't pull off. And this looks bad for him. Oh, well. I was amazed, to like, be honest. Honestly. To be honest with you, can I be honest with you? I'm just really amazed this week that any of these people had any kind of a sense of shame. I'm just absolutely amazed that like any of them, the fact that we heard from Joel Glazer for the first time in what feels like years, I'm like, wow, like, you know, Manchester City kind of like crawl, moonwalking towards the exit. I mean, there's start, you could write a PhD on the different forms of statement, club statement that came out. And mm-hmm. you tweeted the song lyrics which I think were the best club statement of all. <laughs> yeah, to don't let me be misunderstood. Yeah, I mean... I was just, I was looking at some of the statements and I was just like, this could be a statement. So, you know, imagine a tweet, club statement. And then, uh, baby, can you understand me now? Sometimes I get a little mad. Don't you know, no one alive can always be an angel. When things go wrong, seem to go bad. I'm just a soul whose intentions are good. Oh, Lord. Please don't let me be misunderstood. <laughs> but yeah, but that, that, that sums it up perfectly. Um, very sort of cowed, bashful executives. And they were just, you know what it was? It was like watching a sort of one of those um, Bond movies where the supervillain explains the plan a bit too much and gives, <laughs> gives people just enough time to stop them. Caught with your helicopter on the, um, on the helipad just before you get away, you're like, oh, right, I didn't time this very well. Yeah. It felt like that, you know. And the thing is as well, um, shout out to Grace Robertson at Grace on Football, who wrote a brilliant uh, analysis of why the European Super League didn't really work. Essentially, they just didn't put any of the kind of PR measures in place, the consent building in place, none of it. But the thing is as well, whoever wants to do this again, a couple of years from now, will read that playbook which is part of why I was like, it's amazing. And I was also like, don't tell these people. What are you doing, Grace? Like, they're, so in, they're, they're so incompetent. It's almost like, it felt like a sort of um, an engineer going, now this is why the Death Star didn't work out. Yeah. And the next time you build a Death Star, <laughs> what you really want to be doing is this, this, and this. Just, don't seal, test, just yeah. seal that gap off a little bit. Yeah. Don't test it in public. Use stealth tech, you know. <laughs> uh, I think one final thing before we move on from all of the Super League stuff, because I understand that people are probably exhausted about the whole thing this week. Mm. One final thing on this. I do not like Florentino Perez. 
No, no. And do you want to know why? Because I turned in a piece on Wednesday that was supposed to be a day off. I ended up doing a piece on Wednesday that was going up Thursday. And then it's it's announced at about 11pm that he's going to go on the radio at midnight. I was like, well, of course I have to watch this because, Mm. well, watch the live updates because there might be something integral to the piece. Because at the time, he had been silent. So I was up till like 2.30. And um, some of the stuff that he was coming out with. So wild. What's he going through? Bizarre, completely bizarre, like full of contradictions. One minute he was, you know, he was saying there are no, no one's going to sign any major players this year. This was the day that they'd announced that, well, they had come out that David, David Alaba was signing for Real Madrid with a, something like, was it, 20 million euro sign-on fee? Mm. The presenter said, you know, well, does that mean no Mbappe, no Holland? And he was just like, no, no, I didn't mean it like that. We're just talking about this year. This is next year. Right. He basically accused Tebas, so like the, the, the president yeah. of uh, La, Liga. La Liga, of um, organising the T-shirts that Cadiz wore on Wednesday, like protesting against it but also kind of accusing him of organising the protests at <laughs> Chelsea. It's tr- so there were only 40 members in the crowd, only 40 yeah, Chelsea. Only, there were only 40 people there. There was, a th- there was well over a thousand people It was Trumpian, it was Trumpian, It was basically. Trumpian, actually, yeah. You know why it was also Trumpian? In another context. So there's a weird thing where you're an executive who has so much wealth, as Perez does, but a huge amount of debt hangs over you. And this is a strange thing that does your psyche, maybe, because you know that you've got, more money than 99% of people on the planet or maybe will ever live. But at the same time, at any one point, those banks could call in their money and you live kind of, what's that thing in that they say, like all glory is fleeting. You live in the knowledge that you're all powerful, but also your wealth is built on extremely, you know, fragile foundations. And that's, the, that's actually exactly the position that Trump was in for such a long time isolated in his wealth, but also in the knowledge that this huge amount of debt was going to come from at any point. Yeah, I actually don't think it's like that with Perez though. I think Perez is, uh, you know, he's essentially in a, in a position where he's, he's created the conditions that he can't really be ousted. Mm. Um, it's going to be very, very difficult for him to be removed at Real Madrid. Mm. But um, Sid Lowe said something really interesting on Football Weekly where he said, um, like the response in Spain has been very different to that outside of Spain because Outside of Spain, Perez isn't feared. That's interesting. Whereas okay. he is in Spain. He's an extremely powerful figure within Spain. Mm. Whereas no one really cares about that outside of Spain. You know, he said, I think Sid, said, I'm paraphrasing a little bit, but he said, you know, the response to it outside of Spain has been far greater than I think it has in Spain. But yeah. he's always seemed competent mm. in a very short space of time. Yeah. With the TV appearance, the radio appearance, and the actual rollout and then crumbling of the Super League, it's displayed a level of incompetence that we haven't really ever seen from Florentino Perez so brazenly. Yeah, he's someone that gets things done. Well, this is the Woodward thing as well, isn't it? This is what's going to hurt them. It's the fact that they know, they could say until now, like Woodward, Perez, they could say, you hate what we're doing, but we're executing to an efficient level. Whereas this is absolutely Empress. Like before they were like, Yes, we're the emperors, and we don't care that we're butt naked. Mm-hmm. Now the ridicule, the ridicule's actually starting to hurt. Yeah. Now they're like, actually, I'm butt naked, and I, I now for the first time feel a bit ridiculous. I think mm-hmm. you're completely right. I reckon I'll do it for the Super League chat, huh? Yeah, but maybe there's a lesson there, actually, more broadly, before we go. 
maybe there is a lesson there because so often I've questioned the value of satire, political comedy. A lot of satire has not done well, to be honest, but I think this has proven that it does have a value, actually. You have to keep chipping away because these people, I always used to feel like, oh, why are you playing to a sense of shame that isn't there? But actually, no, people do have shame. Like, I, I, Yeah, I think I alluded to it in the piece that, you know, I was mocking a bit. Hmm. And I said that actually, no, they deserve to be mocked here. Because I think people in that position, I think anger doesn't really bother them. Mm. I think mockery really does in a sense. Yes. Mockery is powerful. I think one last thing I'll say to this is the Dario Fo quote, laughter does not please the mighty. So when people get greedy like this, keep laughing. And protesting. Yeah, absolutely. Ah, something I want to raise. I made a mistake the other day on our fatigued emergency pod. Mm. And I think I said there was 17 of the last 20 Champions Leagues had been won by teams from England, Germany, Italy, or Spain, right? Mm. I completely botched that stat whilst looking at, like, I was reading 1991, 92, 93, 94, and I... Oh, you were reading back, you went back way fast, you went yeah, back yeah, to like yeah. Ajax. And, so basically, yeah. it was 26 of the last 29 was the one I meant. Mm, okay. 26. Oh, because so you actually, yeah, the, yeah. the correct stat that I was trying to prove was more impressive than the stat I ended up reading yeah. or misreading. So anyway, I just wanted to clarify that because um, shouts to Tim on Twitter who... who, who who flagged that for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rightly so. Um, but yeah, 26 of the last 29. Wild. Only Porto, Ajax, and that Marseille side in 93, like I mentioned in the piece that I wrote mm. for The Ringer, that also got the titles taken off them that season. Can I say, before, shout out, can I quickly say, shout out to Ajax being unproblematic, not trying to get involved in this like Super League, or maybe who knows if they did or not. Even if they did get involved. Everyone thought they didn't get involved. So, you know, dine out on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> dine out bank. on the lie. Yeah, exactly. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbour, State Farm is there. All right, man, should we talk about some football for a bit? Yeah, let's do it. And we can talk about Mourinho maybe later, but um, we're not going to kind of go game for game here. I think we're going to just breeze through some highlights that we like. Uh, I didn't catch the Chelsea-Manchester City Women's Super League live, but I watched it back and that is what extraordinary. Game. game of the week, I think. This is what's, yeah, and it, this is what saddens me actually about this whole European Super League thing. It ruined, it took the spotlight away from one of the games of the season, mm-hmm. just both in terms of where it came in the league, what it meant. So basically, Chelsea went to Manchester City 
two points ahead in the league um, with three games to go so it started kickoff and basically a win for Chelsea would pretty much have done it. The game ended two all, featured an incredible post-match interview by Emma Hayes where she basically admitted she was clinging on for the last 45 minutes. Unbelievable. And a superb game of football where it was the best of Chelsea and the best of Manchester City. Mm. They basically threw, they both threw everything at each other. Yeah, it was just so good and Anne Catherine Berger made an unbelievable save. One of these saves this season, yeah, yeah. Looks actually better on the replay because in right. real time you can see the movement of her body, like the, the direction that her body was going in. And she kind of was right. cutting across the ball as it was going to her other side and she just flung a, flung a hand out, flicked it onto the bar. It was absolutely incredible. And that was a two all. And the in-swinging corner, the in-swinging corner came in at incredible speed and the header then yeah. made the ball even faster. But that is as the reaction times on that. That's as good a save I've seen this season. Without question. Without, without question. And not just, just technically that save by itself, but also the timing of it. So Chelsea had gone 2-1 up. Um, they'd taken the lead through Sam Kerr. Great wing play by City um, allowed Chloe Kelly to score. And it was actually quite nice to see Chloe Kelly central for once because she's been doing so much wide work this year. Good goal, that. Yeah, beautiful goal. And it was funny because so Penelope Harder put Chelsea have the penalty again and then Lauren Hepp equalised. And it's funny because Lauren Hepp's goal, it featured two mistakes from Frank Kirby and Millie Bright that they only make in a game of incredible intensity. Mm. And I thought to myself, it's funny because you see those mistakes in isolation, you think, oh, that's like, those are bad mistakes. Frank Kirby passed it back into the danger zone. And, and then Millie Bright basically makes a hash of a clearance. But that was because City do that to you. Like they put you in the, they put you in the spin dryer. Mm. And the amount of pressure that City puts on them, when they, they are still, I think, I think Chelsea are the best team in the Women's Super League, but it feels so weird saying Super League. I get like, <laughs> I shiver when I say the word no, Super this League. Is, no, 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 no. Yeah, that's one. No, this is the Super League. I know, I know. But like, even like the, but the way that phrase has just been rent-free in my head the last few days, it just yeah. feels strange. Like, um, but the pressure that City applied for, the second, for, the, for their second goal is almost a legacy of how they play. Like, I still think that Chelsea are the best team in the Women's Super League but I really feel that the most ferocious when they're like at their peak of their attack is Manchester City. And that level of ferocity basically continued from their second goal pretty much the rest of the game. Mm. Um, and it's just an amazing point for Chelsea at this point because now they're two points ahead, two games to go. And they're not complacent about it, but no. you saw the way that Emma Hayes celebrated at mm. full time. It was just... Could have been better as well. Sam Kerr had that one right at the end. Yeah, it was a tough one. She came on an... I think the angle of the initial angle of her run wasn't. It's a bit too straight. The, yeah, it was. Yeah, she didn't have that. Didn't have, couldn't reopen her body, um, and so in the end, the finish wasn't. It wasn't a bad miss. Like it was one of those ones where you're like, you finish that. It's a very, very good finish. Mm. But the positioning was just really, really good. Um, great game that, and it's just a shame that it was overshadowed by some of the events of the. Well, all the, the football was overshadowed this week. I mean, in Serie A, for example, Sassuolo beat Milan. Yeah. Lots in, of glee over into, that result. Inter drew with Spezia. Parma were up against Juve. Mm. They went 1-0 up. Napoli happened. Hammered Lazio 5-2. Uh, Speaking of another 5-2, Barcelona, Getafe. I did catch that um, last night. There was night. some beautiful stuff in this game. Barcelona played some beautiful football, yeah. They like, really did. They've been doing that. Do you know what's so funny? Like, so Barcelona... They had 80% possession, by the way. And here's the funny thing. At this point, and this is another one, it's like Real Madrid are the more resilient team. And I think that Barcelona just have a kind of mental hurdles a bit strong, but 
I think that Real are just better closing out games of that because of experience, big game experience, frankly. Just look at the personnel they've got. But Barcelona, at this moment, are playing the best football in that division, at this particular moment. The win against Club Athletic in the final Copa del Rey, we shouldn't really talk about enough because of all the other stuff that's been going on. And this 5-2 last night, Messi was locked in. This is the thing. You know, Messi and Zidane have a similarity, which is basically, if they have a couple of touches, two, three minutes in, like flash touches, they're going to, they're going to have their way with you. And after about six, seven minutes, Messi thrashed a shot off the crossbar. Mm. You know, came off the bar, bounced down, like one of the, one of the classic strikes, off the bar, onto the line and away. And it was, the energy was just so like, I'll be back for the rest later. Yeah, well, he played a one-two one, <laughs> off the post for his goal. That goal. was unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? Right foot volley and then like onto the post. They're like, and it finishes from really quite a narrow angle. Yeah. He makes it look easy, but almost any other person that missed the follow-up, you'd be like, oh yeah, it was just Fair tough. Enough. Just stretching for the follow-up. Yeah. I tweeted last night, it was a cut to Ricky Pooch talking to, um, who was it when he came off? It was when Oscar Mingueza came off. Mm. He looked really disappointed and Ricky Pooch was warming up and he was just kind of, gave me a little like, Pat on the bum. I was just like, hey, hey, it's okay. He just looked like he was basically just like, hey, don't worry. Yeah. It hit me all of a sudden. I tweeted it like, Ricky Pooch is blatantly the one who remembers all the birthdays in that Barcelona squad. You know, I wrote this little thing on Twitter, just a bit like a bit like, hey, hey, guys, just uh, quickly before he gets here, you know, it's Frankie's birthday next week. <laughs> so. Like I don't, mind, like, I don't mind picking something up, and you guys, we can just sort out the money later. And everyone's just like, "Oh, cheers, Ricky! Yeah, thanks, man." Yeah, cool, cool. Like, yeah, yeah, we'll send it. Yeah, yeah. There were some really cute replies. Corey McWhorter was just like, "Right, lads, who hasn't signed the card?" <laughs> 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 and Ravi Palme said, "He'll ask people who aren't in what they want to say in the birthday card, and he'll write it on their behalf." And then Ed <laughs> wrote, "Big, just drop Gerard a message for his birthday. It would mean a lot, energy." <laughs> <laughs> But you look at the season, the way the season's played out, I just wonder if there were particular matches, training sessions where he was pivotal. If you look back at the season that Barcelona have had, there's like a season documentary. They'd be like, oh yeah, Ricky did a lot of stuff behind the scenes. Yeah. And Ricky was one of the first young players that Messi felt could combine with. Because if you think about it, he, he, he did kind of, he stepped up at a time when, the, the way Barca are playing now, glorious football. There was a bit in the second half and they're stroking the ball around. I think they were, they were still only 3-2 up. So it was no, by no means assured. And Getafe were doing, they were doing what Getafe do. They were refusing to go away. And Kubo was looking dangerous out on the flank. And for me, it was just like, the way they're playing with such comfort and ease and stroking the ball around, Frankie de Jong drops the sort of centre-back and is playing it long and cross-field passes. I was just like, this is gorgeous football. Like whoever wins that league this year, Barca have played some of the best stuff in the final third. Like it's looked really, really good. I've loved watching them. And last night was a real pleasure, actually. It's 5-2. Um, the scoreline in the end was a reflection of play. Griezmann looking happy. Araujo joyfully chaotic good, as I, I, would, I would call him. Um, and also Kuman being very decisive at halftime, ringing the subs through. He's done that. It looks like he's going to stay on and you can't really argue with the job that he's done on the whole. He's I think. grown. He's grown really into the role, I think. I think he has. I think it shows, I think it shows how, yeah. how, how toxic the Bartomeu regime was at yeah, Barca yeah. because That's right. a lot of the noise is gone mm. since Bartomeu left. Actual Barca fans will be able to 
attest to this more than I will, but it seems a little bit more serene than it, well, a lot more serene than it was. There's a lot to be said for just having someone relatively chilled out and calm in charge. who's just not always emitting stress. Mm. And not to say that like, you know, Laporta won't have his challenges and doesn't have his challenges, but just, it's been nice to watch Barca kind of breathe again a bit, at least on the field, at least on the field. Like, we talked about that, that goal they got, the fourth goal against Athletic Club in the final of the Copa del Rey. And just there were periods of this game against Getafe where I was just watching going, this is peaceful. Mm. Even like, <laughs> there were some slightly experimental back passes to Ter Stegen. And I almost wonder, <laughs> some of the things they hit, this, this poor man, it's like, I know I've got a good touch. I know I can play like better than most people can play outfield, but do you have to be doing this? They were absolutely, at some point, the second half, they were the hammering the ball into feet. <laughs> absolutely hammering the ball into feet. The top three won in La Liga, which is yep. good. Real Madrid had gone level on points with Atleti on Wednesday. Atleti going top again on Thursday after a 2-0 win over Wesker. Mm. Looks like Abar down, man. Mm. They lost again the other night. It's the tool, though. They've, not, the tool. They've done well, though. They've put in some really good football the last couple of seasons. Let's go to the best league in the world, though. Let's fight the Bundesliga. <laughs> love, you <laughs> Someone love that told division. me off on that online. Just like, man, come on. I was like, well, I didn't mean literally best in terms of quality because it's not. That'd be a stretch. It's fun, though. I watched the uh, Sandhausen Haasfau game back. Oh my goodness, Haasfau doing again, right? Yeah, Hamburg looked like they may oh no. botch a third oh straight promotion. Oh no. Well, promotion for a third straight year after oh. seemingly cruising. Goodness. They're now four points behind Greuterfurt in the automatic player, uh, in the automatic promotion spot. Goodness, okay. They're 10 points behind Bochum with a game in hand, but Bochum look like they're going to win the league. The problem that they've got is that Holstein Kiel, who have been in quarantine for a while because of COVID stuff, mm. they've got a bit of a pile-up of fixtures, but some winnable games. They've got three games in hand on Hamburg. Oh dear. If Holstein Kiel win all of them, they'll actually go second, which pushes Hamburg out of the playoffs anyway. The problem that they've got is that there's such a backlog. There's a worry that it might ha- that what happened to Dinamo Dresden last season might happen to Holstein Kiel in terms of that they're just, they're just knackered. They've got too many games yeah. in too short a time. But the, the spread of them is quite good. They've you know, they've got like one on a Friday, one on a Monday, I think then one on a Thursday, and then they're kind of back on again. That's still a lot though. That's a- It is a lot. They've got Dortmund in the Pokal, which is an interesting one. I wonder whether they might just rest everyone, which seems a little bit, it doesn't really, you don't really see that as much in Germany, I don't think, but. Then again, having given, given, they, given they did Bayern, you yeah, they'd be inclined I- to go for. Yeah. It depends how fresh they are because. Yeah, yeah. The thing is, because after that, they have Sandhausen, St. Pauli, Hanover, all at home, those three. They're at home on the final day of the season to Darmstadt. So if it does go down to the final day of the season, that's quite a favourable fixture for them. If you are looking for a wild promotion race, keeping on the fight of Bundesliga, it's amazing. Uh, any other games you caught this week? That were No, no, that was my fill. It all felt a little bit secondary this week. It did, it did. And also had um, just the role of writing and analysing and trying to ca- keep an eye on everything that was unfolding. It was hard to actually settle and enjoy it. Um, oh, actually, Alex Morgan for Orlando Pride set up the goal for Sydney LaRue against Washington Spirit. They won 1-0. The band is back together. The band is back together. 
Yeah, that was the only that was the only Challenge Cup game I've caught this week. All right, let's take another break and then we'll talk Jose. Yes. He tried to sneak away, Musa. He tried to sneak away. Did he though? Jose Mourinho, as we mentioned on Monday, which broke, he was relieved of his duties, in the words of Tottenham Hotspur. Surprise? Uh, I was a little bit surprised only because of the speed of the deterioration of the relationship between Levy and Mourinho. That's the only thing that surprises me, only because Levy has coveted the opportunity to work Mourinho for so long. Mm. So in that context, it did feel strange. And in terms of the noises coming out of that club, I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm surprised it turned so quickly. Like, consider that Spurs beat Manchester United 6-1 at Old Trafford. And then a couple of weeks ago, Manchester United beat them in the reverse and looked far better than them. The speed of the drop-off in what Spurs were doing in that time is remarkable. And some can say, and retroactively, well, actually, Harry Kane was just playing out of his mind. But that credit for that has to go to some extent to Mourinho. But just some straight, I mean, it's weird with Jose Mourinho because it's tiring talking about him because there's never anything new to say. If you think about yeah. it, you just copy and paste, you know, just cut and paste the name of a club. And then maybe you shorten the speed of the deterioration. Mm-hmm. But there's really nothing new to say. No. There's absolutely nothing to say. He joins a club. You're like, he's going to alienate a big player. Let's guess who it is. He's going to alienate maybe two big players. It's always two. And generally speaking, it's a player that he can afford to fall out with and a player that he can't. So in this case, before it was, the, the player he could afford to fall out with was Deli Ali. The one he couldn't afford to fall out with, as it turned out, was actually Gareth Bale. Because Bale was doing really, really well. And then he just basically like bounced him. And it was like, this is really bad. Like, and it was the same thing with uh, Real Madrid. The player that he couldn't afford, that he could afford to fall out was Ike Casillas. The one he couldn't was Sergio Ramos. And it's, it's like clockwork. It's literally like he joins a club and people, and I think it was Elliot Ross wrote me on Twitter. He's like, who is he going to fall out with? And I was like, it's Deli Ali. So why is it? It's obvious. I think you'll like him. I was like, no, he doesn't like Deli Ali. Wait, watch. And he did it. He did it in the documentary and people still couldn't believe it. I was like, look, I told you he'd do it. And he did it. And I'm, this, I'm taking slight credit here because I saw it coming, but at the same time, it wasn't rocket science. This is what Mourinho does. Yeah, it's like, I think you said an, a, a load of times about Mourinho, it's like watching late era Al Pacino. Yes, exactly. Shouting isn't scary anymore. Yeah, De Niro realised that he wasn't, he wasn't that feared, or he couldn't play characters that were like really fear, like feared in the end, so he pivoted mm. to comedy. Yeah, and, and the funny thing is actually... Did pretty well. <laughs> and if you watch them, it's funny, because if you watch uh, Pacino and De Niro and The Irishman, Mm. who's ended up being the most terrifying? De Niro is the most terrifying because he's worked out, I need to have range. And I think the problem is, and like I st- look, shout out to Pacino. I love Al Pacino. So oh, no, no, like, yeah. But this is not this is hitting on them. Yeah. But, it, but in terms of the dynamics, Mourinho, and there's a lot of talk about, oh, the modern player, you can't talk to them a certain way. Actually, it's called something simple. It's called labour rights. You can't treat people badly when they have more labour rights. And previous players of previous era didn't have good labour rights. And now they do. Player power, no, it's labour rights. We talk about like player power like it's a prohibitive thing. No, player power means, or labour rights mean, that people can't treat you like absolute dirt and get away with it. Are there, are there that, those labour rights within football? <laughs> they're, they're, be- they're better, they're better at that level at least. At least they're somewhere, at least they're present. At least you can't 
you can't go around hang people out to dry like that because, you know, it's unprofessional. And beyond that, it's just mean. There are sometimes he does things and you think to yourself, that's just unpleasant. Yeah. And poor Deli Ali, really, because Deli Ali could have been at PSG. With Poch. He could have, could have been PSG with Poch and this whole mess wouldn't have to be going on. And, you know, Levy, Levy likes Deli Ali, so, you know, kept him around. But I just wish he'd bounced. I just wish he'd bounced. And what do we say about Mourinho, really? What do we say about Spurs? The problem is now that you bring someone in to plug a gap as a quick fix and you leave now with a wound even more painful than before because they got rid of one of the best managers in their history, a manager as true to their tradition as Blanche Flower back in the 60s. You know, Pochettino as pure a Spurs manager as anyone their tradition could hope for. Yes, he didn't win titles, but it wasn't all about titles, clearly. And for what? For whom? This is the sad thing about it. And you see Spurs fans going through it online. It's why I don't really, you know, that club has been through a lot. And they had so much joy under Poch. And he really did just need investment. People go, oh, well, it was too exhausting. It was too intense. Well, actually, I think Poch is one of the few managers that you back, even if the leading players fall out with them, because I just think that he is so hard to find. But if it's too intense and it's too exhausting, you don't hire Jose Mourinho. You hire Carlo Ancelotti or something like yeah. that. You don't hire Jose Mourinho if they were exhausted after Poch. To then see Jose Mourinho turn up, it'd just be like, oh, you've... What's the... There was a movie I was watching recently. I can't remember. It's more like a big budget one and it's like you, they kill some kind of monster and then a bigger one turns up and they're like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. It's that energy. It's just like, you've <laughs> yeah, got yeah. to be kidding me. Really? And like, well, it was, yeah, yeah. You know, when you, when you, go, when you look back at the, the, the all or nothing documentary now and you see the language and you, you, part of me wonders whether it is for the cameras because he knows that they're on, but the whole, like, I had to stick the knife in dire for the sake of the family and all of this kind of stuff. And it's just like, what are you, what are you talking about? Speak like a normal human being. There was nothing in that documentary and I know that a lot of it would have been edited and stuff and some stuff that we would never have seen, but I couldn't see where the motivation was. I couldn't Can see I be, yeah, where the listen. man management was. And I remember thinking at the time, like if the stuff that Mourinho was coming out with was being delivered by a Kreisliga manager at the level that I've played at in Germany, I'd be like, what the fuck is this guy on about? So if it's... If it's underwhelming for a player at my level, then it's going to be underwhelming for a Premier League player. Right. Yeah. I remember commenting on this and at the time, you know, I got some pushback because it's football, we have opinions. Oh no, this is like marketing master plan, the American market. I'm like, it looks ridiculous. You know, and I felt like saying, don't patronize Americans. They are, they do know a laughing stock when they see one. Like the last time I checked, America had sports franchises that they laughed at. I'm not going to name that respect for the franchises because those fan bases have been through it. I was like, hang on a minute. Americans aren't stupid. They are watching this and going, yeah, this is, we recognize a clown show. We got clown shows like this. And I remember thinking like, was it worth it? Where is the dignity in this? This is a club that regained its dignity under Pochettino. It really regained mm -hmm. it. And people were afraid of Spurs. Like Arsenal fans were afraid of Spurs for the yeah. first time in a generation. Yeah. And they played us. Frankly, let's be honest, Pep was afraid of Spurs. Yep. And Pep, because Pep was like, they've worked me out. Mm -hmm. They've done me here. One of the most impressive breakdowns of a Guardiola team I've ever seen was by Pochettino Spurs. Yeah, by top, you know? by, by that that top section of sides, like they really, like you say, they they figured them out. And for what? 
I mean, yeah, I think it's easy to get a little bit um, revisionist because they were in a they were in a pickle when in the league. In the league, they were they were absolutely had a terrible time in the league. I do wonder whether that's because of what happened in the summer. And obviously, Poch wanted a little bit more sway in terms of transfers, and I don't think Levy wanted to give him that. Mm. I think Poch wanted more responsibility, and I think he earned it. If I'm being honest, Yeah. yeah, I think the blame has to go square at Levy here because you have you know an absolutely next level coach for the first time in a long long time yeah and someone who's guided you to a champions league final guided a very very difficult transition into the new stadium without without any squad investment i mean the year they went to the champions league final they didn't make a signing right that was the whole thing yeah, that's about right. it. they didn't, didn't, make, a they didn't exactly. make a single sign no exactly i think daniel levy basically looked at what spurs were at that point with the new stadium off the back of a champions league final and I think maybe wanted to take a bit too much credit for it than he should have and thought mm. that it, would have, it wouldn't have really mattered who had been in charge. But I would be very, very interested to have an off-the-record chat with Daniel Levy and say, if you could have that one back, would you give Poch a little, bit, a little more responsibility? And, yeah. And, and I bet you he would say yeah. Because Levy has done so many, he has a lot, done a lot of great things for Spurs. Yeah, but thing. also like, think of the finances, yeah. the finance, yeah. the amount of money that he has paid out on yeah. firing Poch and firing Mourinho. Yeah. Could have got him a pretty decent player, actually. Yeah, yeah. Pretty decent player. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Do you know what? I think Levy is coming under a bit of pressure now. The Poch thing was the first time, I think the first time where you could see some mass dissent towards Levy I think that shook a lot of Spurs fans and I think since then it's become more and more apparent that actually that goodwill has kind of evaporated I think yeah, the, the thing is his defence has always been like it's kind of been like Spurs first like negotiating really good amounts of money for the Berbatov sale for example yeah, like, yeah. and really you know, that's always been the argument in his defence and the new stadium you know which looks amazing and you hear great sort of feedback on that and but the challenge I suppose is now his vision of what he wants Spurs to be is just so, is so divorced and detached from the vision that Spurs fans have. You know, you know him doing the All or Nothing documentary, you know, you can argue from his point of view, it's like, look, I'm building the brand of Spurs abroad, right? You know, he could argue, look, it was a big thing. I know it sounds like weird to a lot of people, but the internal logic might be, look, I, got, I argued Spurs into the Super League at a time when we, ha- we don't really have the trophies to, to show for it, but I've got us into, I've basically safeguarded our future. You know, I, I've safeguarded us for the long term because football's going a certain way and I've locked us into a scheme where we're going to have a bonanza for years to come. And like, so from a, from a position, from that vantage point, trying to have some empathy or whatever for what he might have been thinking, he could be saying, look, I've safeguarded our financial future. And the supporters are like, it's almost like the West Ham thing. It's like, we don't want to leave Upton Park. You're imposing something on us that we, you think we, is right for us, but we just don't want it at all. You know? And I think that's, that's the challenge for Levy being so out of step. It's like giving someone a multi-million pound home out in the stick somewhere, where they're yeah. actually like, I, I really like my neighbourhood. Yeah. We're going to live on Mars, but I really like it in Neukölln. Yeah. No, we're, gonna, we're going to Mars tomorrow. It's like, no, I don't want to colonise Mars. I like, really like, I really like paying for my, like, you know, yeah. renting this place on the corner and I know everyone here and the Shabetis there and the, the, the kids can play in the park. Like, it's that. I feel sorry for Spurs fans because I think they've been through a lot over the last few years, especially with, you know, not really being able to enjoy the new stadium a huge amount because it got cut short so quickly. Mm. Mm. The next appointment is going to be very, very interesting. 
I mean, who do you think they would get? Let's do two quick things. Let's do what yeah. next for Spurs and then we'll do a what next for Mourinho. What's next for Spurs? So they need to get a new manager and obviously, I just don't know who that is at this point, Ryan. I don't know who that is. I can't think of a name. It, it, it's a job for a really good man manager, isn't it? Because there's a lot of good things. There's, that's a good players in there. Valverde? Do you know what? If I was Levy, I'd be on the phone to Valverde. That, is a, that is a really, really great shout. Because I saw a bit of talk about Marcelino. If I was Levy, I'd be on the phone to Valverde now. That is an excellent shout, Valverde. I like that a lot. I'm not sure what his English is like. Oh, that's a great shout. He would instantly, yeah, you see an instant impact there. 100%. That's great. Yep, yep. Valverde's the guy. I like that a lot. And also the, the great thing, Valverde, with the payout he got from Barca, he can chill. Doesn't work. He'll bounce. But it's a great place. It's, it's almost a free hit for something like that, I think. Oh, I like that. Okay, Valverde is. Do you think, they, do you think that they'd be able to get an Allegri or? Hmm. I think it would be a mistake to go for someone like an Allegri. I mean, I think, I think Valverde is, in my opinion, probably the best one Stand to go for. Choice. Yeah. Do you know who wouldn't be a wild shout though? Someone like Spalletti. Ooh. Oh my gosh. I, you know like, what? I think, Spal- this is, I think a lot of people have forgotten how good a job, like Spalletti did quite a good I job love- at Inter. I love Spalletti. Yeah. And also the football, the football that Spalletti plays. Yeah. Gets his teams to play. People that can play with, I think it's one, so if you go for Valverde, you're basically saying someone that will fix it and be pragmatic and assemble those parts. If you're going for Spalletti, you're like, okay, the handbrake is going to be off a little bit, but it's going to be thrilling and maybe return to Spurs of, you know, the Spurs of like two, three, five. <laughs> you, know, you know who it will be yeah. though? Oh no. It'll be sorry. I like that. Mm, I'm, I mean, I don't hate I it. Like, I like that, actually. Th- that could work nicely, actually. It could. Yeah. I, th- I think there's too much cause for disruption there. There's too much history there, maybe, with the Chelsea stuff, too. Someone like Valverde, who is a far more calming mm. presence, I think. Because if you think about it, like, stress-wise, Spurs have been through a lot over the last few years. Right. They really need someone just to kind of like calm. That's actually why I wouldn't go for Spalletti. I think he's too intense. I think it'd be fun, but I still think Valverde is a hugely, hugely underappreciated manager. Yeah, of course. Definitely. 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 Like he fixed a lot of things in that Barca squad. He fixed a lot of things. And ultimately when it came down to it, it was maybe a bit too conservative with his use of speed in a couple of games. And that was it. But you know, he's a couple of bad selections away from the Champions League, really. If I was a Spurs fan, I'd, I'd look at Valverde and be like, yeah, that's my guy. And the beauty is they can just sit around till summer. They've got a few games to see how this partnership plays out. Like, I just cannot believe Valverde hasn't got a job. Yeah, but also bear in mind, he's probably turned stuff down. Yeah, he's probably, re- yeah, actually he's taken, taken a lot of time off. That yeah. Barca job, he took a lot of, he's a very good human being who took a lot of heat. Not that much to that kind of heat. He took a disproportionate amount of heat, the Barca stuff, um, in my opinion. You know, that squad was threadbare and the investment really at key points wasn't there and he took a lot of heat. And frankly, if I were him, I'd just be chilling. And I hope that payout, he didn't, I don't think he said the details of it, but he was like, nah, like, I got I'm good paid for well. a bit. Yeah, I'm good. What about Jose Mourinho? Mm. Honestly, if there was ever a case of a human being that should just go and start their own vineyard, it's him. Him and Valverde should start vineyards side by side in the hills and just chill. That is someone to just go and relax because actually he has nothing to prove. 
he has absolutely nothing to prove. I was looking back over and thinking, yeah, Jose Mourinho's teams went unbeaten at home for nine years. Nine years in the league, nine years. And those weren't like, those weren't leagues where people weren't coming at you every week. He has, he actually, he's one of the few people that has, if he'd never coached another game of football, he'd have nothing to prove in football. He literally doesn't. And I just wonder like, and I've said this maybe before about him, it sounds strange for me to be so sympathetic to someone who is obviously just like wrecked, you know, left wreckage, but you don't need to go and do more work at this exact point. I sometimes wonder if like, I don't know if I said this before, people take jobs and you're like, should you be in that job? Like, do you actually want to be coaching at the moment? I know he was out for a bit, but just sit back for a bit, like survey the, because it's gone wrong, like in an, it's gone wrong twice now, quick succession in ways that were entirely predictable. And before that, it was kind of going wrong in ways that were predictable, but there was more yield. Now the yield is dropping and the enjoyment, it doesn't look like fun for him at this point. I almost feel like it wouldn't be bad for him to sit out the next year, actually. I think he should do a sabbatical. I know it sounds ridiculous, but... I mean, the most, the most obvious job for him is Portugal. I don't know. Like, I don't know if... Santos's contract isn't up until 2024. Like in terms of Mourinho managing Portugal, in terms of a concept, I think it is extremely likely. I think the issue is whether the fit works now, because I think actually, is, I think he's missed. I think he might have missed his window in terms of fit, so he might have to wait another five years or so before he gets this is what, with it. This is what I'm saying. The players are playing with freedom. They're playing with freedom and why would you change that? Like, and I don't know what leverage, I know, I know that he's a huge name. I don't know how the thing, the situation is within Portugal in terms of how he's regarded. But I look at it and go, I don't look at that and go, that's the best fit for them to carry on winning stuff. They've done really, really well. Like they've won like a Euros, they've won like a Nations League. They could win another Euros and they could win, the, they could very, yeah. I don't think it's a wild shout to say they've, they, they're not at all. They they've, have the potential tools squad for the World Cup. For the World Cup yeah. They absolutely do. They absolutely have it. I'm just looking at going, why wouldn't you just renew? I don't know. Maybe I'll go back to Portugal because, I mean, Conscious Hour has done an amazing job at Porto, I think, but Sporting could win their first league title since, what, 20, uh, 2002, I think? Mm. I year. wonder how much the Champions League run took out of Porto. Yeah, I maybe. I mean, I don't think they would fire at him. Also, you know what? It was worth maybe not winning the league to have the run that they had because they did, they did, yeah, they did a beautiful job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great to watch. We did a what if ages ago, I think, that ended up with like Jose at Newcastle, right? Yes. I actually still think that that's, a, I think it's on. I think it's on. I feel that's, I feel that's more likely than, that, I feel that feels like a better fit, weirdly enough. That feels like a better fit, Mourinho to Newcastle and Mourinho to Portugal. I feel. Can you imagine Jose at Newcastle? Yes, that's why I'm terrified. I'm terrified in a, in a lot of ways, actually. One person that you never hear him say a bad word about is Bobby Robson. Mm. That's why I actually think Newcastle's a shout for him because I think that weirdly, Mourinho would probably be galvanised by this kind of like sense of love for Bobby. Mm. Do you know what I mean? It'd be like, Newcastle's a great job, like Sir Bobby was here, blah, blah, blah. And know? it does fit the profile of like clubs that he's taken and revitalised before. And also we've said this before though, that like, if they could get a good owner in at Newcastle, because Mike Ashley has just been so, so damaging mm. for that football club. Newcastle is a huge football club. Right. 
I think he'd actually do a really good job there if he was given the tools. I do that. I do think that's one of those places where he could do a really good job. Yeah, maybe. Weirdly enough. I think only because I think the conditions of it are, you look at like, you know, Inter, when he took the Inter job and you look at a club that just needed that restoration to grandeur. And Newcastle is a club that needs that restoration. He would, you know, he'd go in there and he would obviously like just, he'd annoy everyone else. But I, I think he could do something there. Do you know who would be his guy on the pitch? Do you know who would be his under Herrera? John Joe Shelby. <laughs> Oh John Joe Selvey well, would be like Mourinho. Yep, the, f- the first year and a half at least, and then they'd fall out. But yeah. <laughs> oh dear. Um, it's going to be interesting, man. Have we, is there anything else you want to talk on, talk about, or should we bounce? Should we leave, let these good people be? Yeah, that, leave them the weekends. Sorry, you had to put up with us three times this week. Yeah, we promise that next week we will be back to just twice, 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 twice. <laughs> <laughs> with a proper righty's house on Wednesday. All right, man. Let's get out of here. Yep, let's do it. Uh, don't forget, you can. Check our outros playlist on Spotify. Search for Stadio Outros. Uh, we're playing out this episode with Techno Town by Stratus. Check theringer.com forward slash soccer for all of the pieces and podcasts from this week. You've got another piece going up. Yeah, I wrote... That's non-football. Yeah, it's about Daniel Kaluuya for the ringer in advance of the Oscars at the weekend. Oh. You can follow us on Twitter at Stadio. You can follow us on Instagram at Stadio Football. Anything else you is that is that if I remembered everything? I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Anything you want to add, Musa? No, nothing this week. Clean bill of health. Nothing no. you want to plug. No agendas. No, 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 no agendas. Just the hope agenda. Oh, the good old hope agenda. <laughs> In the end, <laughs> it was all about hope. It was absolutely. No books out this week. No books out this week. No. no. <laughs> all right, everyone, rest up. Have a lovely weekend. Much love and we'll be back on Monday. Take care.